Computer, initialize Holosuite. Welcome to another episode of The Fire Caves, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. I am one of your hosts, Perry. I'm your host, David. Tonight we're talking about Season 4, Episode 26, Broken Link. Before we continue, you can find us on Facebook, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and X as The Fire Caves, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. That is correct, and as I say, every single week you should find us and follow us because we are awesome. I really believe that we're probably one of the better podcasts that are out there, just for the sake of saying that we cover very thoroughly the episodes and some of the overall lore. I'm not going to say that we're the most entertaining, even if I happen to personally feel that way, but anyway, (laughs) we're great, we're awesome, we're a good time, so just come in and enjoy what we're doing over here at the Fire Caves. so yeah, really quick, I just have to remark, 26 episodes. We are averaging 26 episodes a season. It is so bizarre because none of the new Trek shows do that. They typically are at a 10 to 12 episode run. Some shows yeah. even doing just eight episodes. Um, so it's just, um, it's definitely, definitely a sign of the times that they were cranking out 26 episodes a season. Right. And, uh, you know, some of the shows, like we, there was a, a figure that was done recently and like all the new shows would have to run for double or even triple the time in order to get to the same number of episodes uh, that some of the older shows have. So uh, think about it, like Discovery, for example, in order to get the same number of episodes, it would have to have something like 18 seasons at the rate that they do episodes now, something like that. So Anyway, um, we, we <laughs> are lot. here to talk about Broken Link, and it is a lot. We're going to get into a lot of that and some extra stuff because we have some great things coming up for afterwards. Um, but before we do all that, and before we jump into the meat of our episode, uh, David, how was your week? Uh, it's been fine. Uh, yesterday is when we normally record our episodes, and as I think I've mentioned uh, last week, uh, I was getting together with some friends to play a board game called Twilight Imperium. We spent... A good 12 to 13 hours yesterday playing that game. We started at 11 in the morning, got done sometime after midnight. So we played one single board game in one sitting that took, yes, that long. It's a lot of fun. I had a good time. It's the first time I ever played it. But, uh, yeah, that's I, I don't, that's I don't think I could do it. Yeah, I don't think it's I do a it. lot. I mean, yeah, that just sounds like a lot. 12 hours, 13 hours. Um, yeah. I don't think I could make it on a board game. <laughs> I mean, there's not very much that I could do that on without some kind of prolonged break somewhere. Oh, there. for sure. I mean, I had to take off work to do it, obviously. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Did that yesterday. Uh, this upcoming week, uh, we'll be going to Virginia to visit family. Um, looking forward to visiting Monticello, which is going to be uh, part of the trip for us. Um, yeah, uh, Jefferson's home, uh, Thomas Jefferson's mm-hmm. home to be exact, and um, yeah, just seeing my grandmother, so she's about to move out of her house, she's lived in for the last, gosh, maybe 15 years or so, uh, to move in with my aunt, and 
going to go see her and the rest of the family and basically see everybody. Uh, it'll be uh, a very busy six-day trip. So, yeah. How about you? What's you up to? All right. Pretty much the same. Work, workouts, child rearing, rinse, repeat, <laughs> you know. Um, we don't have I – and mean, we didn't really do much this week that was different, but uh, this coming week – uh, on the weekend, as a matter of fact, the first weekend of October, we're going to take a little family trip down to um, Fredericksburg and, nice. uh, you know, just kind of do a little, again, family trip, see the sights, hang out. Uh, my sister and brother-in-law and some, a couple of family friends are going to come with us, you know, basically people that have children. And we're kind of doing this little, you know, family get together for everybody. Um, kids are out of school, uh, this upcoming, that, again, that first weekend, they get like a four day break. Cause apparently that's a thing, um, now. Nice. So we're going to take advantage of at least two of those days and do some, yeah, family building stuff. Right. So looking forward to that. So, um, yeah, right. we'll see. Right. Um, but yeah, that's it for me. Um, and so let's go ahead and get right into our episode here, Broken Link. Um, did you want to give the recap or did you want me to do it? I'm happy to do it. This is an Odo heavy episode. I know Odo's your favorite character. Do you want to give it a go? Yeah, yeah, yes. Um, yes, I'll do it. And I think it's interesting, um, <laughs> just by happenstance, a happy coincidence, whatever. I watched the show today with um, my mother that actually featured. Renee Auberginois, very young Renee, um, on a show called Benson, which I don't know if any of you know anything about this show, but it's it's about this um, um, black man whose name is Benson, who ends up working in the governor uh, for the governor uh, in I forget what state they were in, um, but he's working in the governor's mansion and so forth, and he's the budget advisor or something like that and then Renee's character he's like the uh, what do you call him the chief of staff I think was what his title was Okay. so it was really interesting to see him and like I didn't recognize him at first but the voice the voice is the telltale giveaway you know yeah. but he had you know he, he's, he was you know very tall very slender he's got this you know uh, feathery hair and whatever else and uh, he's got a mustache and all that <laughs> and I it took me a second but I, like I was in another room and I heard him speaking and I was just like what is that and came out and you know there he was and I was like that kind of sounds like Renee and then the name in the opening credits flashed nice. across the screen and I was like it is and I watched <laughs> it you know so yeah apparently he was a, a series regular on that show and um, it's a very comedic Nice family show. You can watch it at any time. But again, it's an older show. So if you have any kind of interesting things like that, check it out. Again, it's called Benson. Gotcha. So, um, but this episode, again, called Broken Link, is kind of a follow-up continuation of Season three's closing episode, The Adversary. So quick synopsis, reminder of The Adversary. This is the episode where uh, Cisco gets promoted and we hear about the Zenketi who the Federation had been in a war with some years ago. And uh, there's an ambassador who comes onto the station and wants Cisco to take the Defiant and go kind of, you know, show the show the colors, basically, and let them know 
that you know the Federation is aware that they've got some kind of political upheaval going on and that we're not going to tolerate any kind of nonsense on our side of the border. Uh, this all turns out to be an elaborate ruse by the uh, Dominion just to kind of get the Defiant out there and cause trouble themselves. And through the investigation of everybody on the ship, they realize that the ambassador is actually a changeling who's trying to sabotage them. And Odo is put in a position to where he ultimately kills this changeling in order to save our crew and, of course, the Defiant. So now to follow this up, here we are all this time later, several months later. And um, Odo starts his day by being called into Garrick's shop, and Garrick is clearly trying to arrange this meeting with another um, shop owner on the station, this Bajoran woman who apparently has taken shine to Odo and his extremely punctual rounds making that he would do on the promenade. <laughs> um, you know, they have their little meeting and then she goes about her business, you know, and um, Odo kind of sort of gets into Garrick a bit about trying to set things up and arrange things for him. And as he attempts to leave Garrick's shop, he is suddenly hit by some kind of weird attack. He starts to lose molecular cohesion and pa uh, passes out in the office right, or in the shop. Uh, we then see him in the infirmary where they're realizing that his body is in some kind of odd state of flux and Bashir can't do anything about it. The more they try, uh, the worse his his body gets. Um, they try to distract Odo with, you know, work and things like that while they're trying to figure this out. Odo realizes that through reading of the station's criminal report that there's a Boslick captain who's back on the station that is clearly a smuggler and he's wanting to stop her. She's taking advantage of the fact that he is otherwise indisposed and trying to quickly move some merchandise off of the station. But Odo shows up, attempts to stop her, fully loses cohesion and just kind of dissolves into a puddle of goo in the cargo bay while the captain and her crew make their escape. Um, we find out that someone eventually finds Odo and they're able to get him back to the infirmary where he's now even worse. And um, realizing that they don't have the ability to uh, fix whatever is wrong with him, uh, Cisco and company decides to take the Defiant into the Gamma Quadrant, start broadcasting a signal that's letting the uh, Dominion forces know they're in the Gamma Quadrant and know the reason why they're in the Gamma Quadrant, um, which works. Several Jem'Hadar ships show up, surround the Defiant, and on board eventually beams a contingent of Jem'Hadar with the female uh, changeling founder that we saw for the first time all the way back in, I think there was also a season three episode, Heart of Stone, where she impersonated Kira right. to figure out why Odo wanted to stay with the solids instead of coming with his own people when he realized who they were. Right. So now she's back. She temporarily stabilizes Odo's condition. She and Odo talk, and it's revealed that they did this to Odo as retribution for him killing that other changeling and they were forcing him to return home so that he could be judged because as we know from them telling us multiple times the founders have the uh, a one sacred rule which is no changeling has ever harmed another so in the entire history of their people their culture their civilization no changeling has ever harmed another changeling and now odo has not only harmed one He's killed one. So they're forcing him to come back to be judged by his by his people. Right. 
They go to the founder's home planet, but um, side note on that, the founders employ a scrambling device that keeps the Defiant from recording. Yeah, tracking where they are. Um, They beam down to the planet. Sisko and Bashir go with Oda when they beam down. The Changeling warns them that they could be um, in the Great Link during this whole arbitration, deliberation, whatever, for days or even weeks uh, until they figure out what's going on. Cisco's like, okay, we'll wait. I don't care. So there's this one giant rock, apparently, in a sea of changelings, which never really made sense to me, I have to admit. Like, is it is it legitimately a rock outcropping, or is it some changelings pretending to be a rock that they're sitting on? Like, it, just, it doesn't make <laughs> any sense, like, that. why <laughs> it's there. It's just, yeah, it's just a giant <laughs> pillar of, of rock, a rock formation, in the middle of everything else that they are. So it's just like, I just wondered about that. Like, did they... Did they become a place to beam down for them and then just stayed that way the whole time they were waiting? Like, I don't know. So anyway, <laughs> uh, while this is happening on board the Defiant, I also forgot to mention, Garrick went with them. And so Garrick had gone with them with the intent of asking the founders about the um, romulan Cardassian contingent that had also in Season 3 attempted to wipe out the founders on their other home planet. Um, the female changeling informs him that they're all dead. Like, there's no survivors from that whatsoever. And that everybody else is also dead. That they have every intent to kill everybody. So this pretty much makes Garrick psychopathic and homicidal. And decides that genocide is really the only thing they can do. So he tries to hack into the defiant systems to get a hold of the weapons to destroy the planet and he's stopped in this by Worf who is like yeah um we're you know we're not murderers we're not whatever and they have this weird kind of philosophical is it okay to commit genocide if it saves billions upon billions of other people and all this stuff it leads to a fist fight which Garrick is surprisingly adept at fighting Worf I mean Worf wins of course but I always thought that the reason that he was able to land so many blows on Worf in the first place was sheerly out of surprise. I don't think that Worf really expected Garrick to put up any kind of fight, let alone skilled fighting. And that's why he's able to beat up Worf a little bit before Worf finally is like, yeah, I'm Worf and slaps him around, you know? Um, So he stops Garrick from doing what he's going to do. The deliberations back on the planet are finally over. Um, The changelings deposit, Odo up on the same rocky embankment and in this he is they have made him human as part of his punishment they did not kill him they decided that he they would make him human they beam back to the defiant they're able to go home and now we see a human Odo who still has his changeling face which is basically a another part of the uh, of the punishment to remind him of where, what he used to be and what he's lost So instead of making him just fully appear human, he still looks like a changeling, but again, human organs and so forth. Um, He's trying to adjust to this life. He's finding it very difficult. Now he recognizes, you know, just exactly what it is he's lost. But in the midst of all this, he is having these headaches, which has to do with him being in the great link. There's all this, there was all this stuff that was going on that they were apparently trying to keep from him. And upon seeing, uh, Galron, the emperor, the leader of the uh, Klingon people 
up on a monitor, he recognizes that one of the things the founders were trying to keep from him was that um, Gowron is a changeling, that the changelings have somehow replaced OG Gowron with changeling Gowron. And this is also going back to the greater arcing story that was going on in the episode where the Klingons are basically on the warpath and they were just letting everybody know that they were annexing some spaces. They weren't going to give up the territory they had won in their first conflict with the Cardassians. And now here's Gowron back on screen doing some more warmongering. And so now that's how the episode ends. A bit of a cliffhanger of, Oh my God, Odo has just revealed that Gowron leader of the Klingon high council is actually a changeling. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Right. So there. Yeah. That is essentially the episode. Again, if you want to get all the little bits and bobs and details, please go watch it. You can watch this episode and all Treks, except for Prodigy, for some strange reason. You can watch all of them on Paramount+. Plus. Uh, so go do it. Go watch it, and then come and listen to our show wherever you happen to listen to podcasts. But that is it. So, as always, David, as our first-time viewer, what did you think of this episode? Yeah, it's a big uh, big change for Odo to go from being able to do his changeling abilities to now he's a human. I was a little surprised they made him a human because I was like, would they make him to a um, Bajoran? Because that's who he's known. That's who he's close to. That's where the station is. Uh, other, the problem, though, with that is they'd have to change his facial mask, you know, the Bajoran Ridge or something like that. Um, it's easier, at least on a on a physical features level to make him human um there's that bit at the end where uh bashir is taking blood tests and he says you're blood o typo in case you were wondering um so he's officially human now with a car with a changeling face still has his changeling face as you mentioned um he has to go at the very end of the episode to garrick to get fitted for his first actual outfit he's always always just been a changeling his outfits were always just a part of him uh, this is the first one he actually has to wear, and you know it's a little itchy, you know, <laughs> first time wearing clothes. Um, but uh, yeah, I first thought that <laughs> I thought the reason he was having trouble holding his form at first is because this beautiful blonde woman was like, "Hey," and he was oh, like, "I thought maybe he was, he was." He was so taken by her beauty that he couldn't hold it together. Literally, well, I mean, I, I mean, but I was immediately like, "Well, he liked Kira, and that wasn't a problem." So that that theory is very thin <laughs> but that was partially my theory hey maybe he's got a thing for blondes i mean redheads are fun but this is the first time we've seen a blonde yeah i mean um, she came out of that changing room with her dress and she was swooping it around like she had mm-hmm. totally planned this exit it was obvious that she and garrick were in cahoots um which was funny i liked the idea of garrick playing matchmaker if you can't be if, if being a tailor is kind of boring then and being a spy and being a matchmaker seem more in common. You know, you're manipulating people um, <laughs> a bit. So wow, yeah. So spies are good at um, at dating, at yeah, matchmaking, at matchmaking. At matchmaking. Yeah. Huh. Um, I like that she was forward. You know, she was like, "I want you to come see me. I want you to do something." And then you know, Garrett gives have him have dinner hard... with me and yeah, yeah say you... hi and come. Come hang out and yeah. yeah. I mean, honestly, if she was a consolation prize for Kira, I wouldn't be upset. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we just met her. I'm just kidding, obviously. Um, but you know, part of me is like, I would like to know if this if something's there. You know, I'd like to see them go on a date, see if Odo can pull out of his normally morose, uh, you know, kind of bitter, kind of 
depressing persona in order to mm. go on a on a date per se. Uh, see if she's the type of woman who um, would be willing to, you know, kind of put up with some of that. If she's actually got some some stuff that works with Odo as a partner. So obviously, at the end of the episode, she shows up again, and we might have something there. It'd be great if something does, but I mean, this is the end of season four. Season five was probably several months away, so whether they're going to keep an actress on to play a role like that, who knows? Um, but. Um, yeah, the biggest change, of course, is Odo is now not a changeling anymore, which is big. I mean, that's basically been his character. I mean, how much of what he does is dependent on him being a changeling? Uh, is his strength based on his being a changeling? Like, he seems he seemed kind of superhuman in his strength at times. Uh, I don't know how mm-hmm. accurate that actually is. If I were to calculate how many times I've seen him make a physical action was he acting in a physically stronger way than i would expect otherwise i remember one episode where he used his ability to like reach out like he took a gun off of a off of off a maquis member in one of the maquis episodes like he reached out with his hand and stretched it out and grabbed a gun stuff like that well well let's not forget that when first minister shakar was on the station and there was the assassination attempt right and they had the falling um turbo lift he pressed into yes. the sides of the turbo lift to slow it down. Right. So he's obviously able he's he's able to generate the strength to slow down this falling metal construct that contains himself, Kira, Shikar, and then whatever else is in there. He's exactly. able to stop the whole mechanism entirely. So exactly. he can clearly generate a lot of force, a lot of strength as a changeling, right. which he now would would lose. I would assume that in making him human, they put him at human equivalent normal-ish strength, you know. Right. Um yeah, I mean we 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 obviously have strong people and, but that comes through training and development, but still even the strongest human that you know is still going to be no match for a Klingon, right. for example. So, right. you know. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I just I guess what I'm getting at is that um how how well is Odo going to be able to continue doing his job if he is now just a normal person, if you will? Um, of course, we've seen him do multiple times where he impersonates an object and then mm-hmm. that he uses that to either infiltrate something, overhear something, mm-hmm. all kinds of things. So how much of what how much of his work and his job was he was being efficient at the, at the end of the episode? Uh, Cisco says you're probably the best law enforcement officer in the whole quadrant that's how good you are at what you do and i don't doubt that on a, on a certainly on a mental and committed uh, he's committed to the job but the question i would say is like is, is that how oh. much of that is him mm-hmm. being very capable with his abilities um like right I, not he's highly highly effective spy infiltrator gathering evidence because people don't see right. him whatever can he still be as effective now that he does not have those abilities to be a chair or a glass or whatever. The other question too is like, if he was able to basically, if he had no needs, he didn't need to sleep. He didn't need to eat like us. I mean, he had to be in his form, his bucket. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he's not in his bucket, but if he could, um, now he has to eat that. What kind of other things does he need to do? Does he have other desires? 
Does he need to use the restroom, for example? If he could have held his shape for 16 hours straight, therefore he could, you know, pretend to be something for 16 hours straight, does he now need every four hours to go to the restroom now? I don't know. That's not a question that we're going to get answered, obviously. I'm just, I'm theorizing. They, they, never, the they never answer the bathroom question on no, Star Trek. No, I, I, as soon as I said it, know, I was like, what am I, yeah, what that's am I doing never, here? Yeah, that's never going to be answered. But other questions, which I guess you can kind of think, in a roundabout way, it, it does provide an answer, you know, like, uh, now that he's human, does this mean he's going to have to sleep in a bed? Is he going to have quarters? Right. Is he going to, yes. I mean, we already know he has quarters, but now is he going to have to change it? Because we know in his quarters beforehand, he's had all the stuff for shape-shifting. Well, he's not a shape-shifter anymore, so is he going to keep that stuff around? Constant reminder, again, of what he's lost, or is he going right. to try to assimilate more and remove that stuff and have traditional furniture Comfortable chairs to sit in, a right. bed to sleep on. Um, yes, his his shift. Right. You know, he made his shift coincide with his regenerative cycle, so that you know, whenever he wasn't um, on duty, he was off regenerating or whatever. But now, is he going to adjust the schedule so that he can um, take breaks and? do naps and have lunch and i mean we even see in the episode he's like i think i'm hungry like he experiences the feeling of hunger for the first time and garrick Um, is like oh that's a great thing you'll get to taste food all for the first time i am odo to your garrick in this uh (laughs) in the fire caves comparative (laughs) (laughs) yes that is correct all these things are new yes all this is new to you this is the first time whereas i'm like I envy that you get to watch this show that I love so much for the first time. I wish that I could do that. Yeah, Fall in yeah. love with it all over again instead of having to look for new reasons to love it. Right. You know? Um, right. Yeah. Which this show does for me, by the way. This podcast does that for me because I get to talk about it. And I'm like, oh, and this was great. And this and this. And did you know this? And all that. That helps me. Which is why we, you know, kind of do this podcast in the first place. So. Exactly. There you um, go. This is this is your attempt to get all your love out into one space and mm-hmm. express it in full. Yep. <laughs> that's right. But yeah, this is. I have uh, so few loves. I have so few loves in life. So yeah, here we go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Poor Perry. Um, I was a little surprised, and I was, I guess, a little disappointed when the um, the changeling woman. We doesn't even have a name. Um, no, nope, she's, she's just female changeling or female shapeshifter, whatever one you want to call. Yeah. Her. When they said that we did this to you, I was a little frustrated because there was never any clear indication. Like I said, I thought maybe it was he was attracted to the female Bajoran, and so he was, like, affected by that in some unexpected way. Like, that was my initial reaction. There Or Garrick did something to him. There was nothing that ever really made clear how or why. I'm not, not, not how. Why, I'm sorry, not the why. How. How they did it to uh, Odo. How did they make Odo get into this state what is it they infect him with something is it a machine some like little device that causes him to lose his shape i mean it does seem to be actually have some sort of illness to be clear it doesn't seem to be it seems to be internal is what i'm getting at mm-hmm. um i would have rather even them explained that we knew that this would happen eventually after when, we, when you were last with us at the great link we knew you had only about two more years left before your separation from us would cause this to happen something like that um so I, I, I was a little frustrated that they just kind of like, oh, yeah, we did this to you. Like, okay, yeah. I mean, whatever. So 
so that is one of the few, you know, continuity errors that uh, crop up with this episode because they, like you said, they say in the episode, we did this to you. Um, but there's some other dialogue in the episode that's supposed to imply this was done to Odo when he refused to return to the Great Link in that To the Death episode, the one that we watched with the Jem Hadar who were... Right. Had to go when we were attacked by the when the station was attacked, and Cisco uh, and company went off to find them. And there was right. Wei Yun and the other other Jemadar uh, who were also attacked. Something around that episode. Yes, that episode so it's happened. it's okay. implied that there's a scene where Wei Yun is alone with Odo, and he asks Odo to return to the Great Link. Then Odo says no, and there was supposed to be a scene that's filmed where. Wayun graciously accepts that Odo has turned them down once again, and he's supposed to shake Odo's hand or pat him on the shoulder or something, and in that moment, he was infected. But we never actually see that happen. They just kind of sort of hint to it, which I feel like for setting up stories, that was a mistake to not show that, because that would have been a great little thing to quickly, you know, yeah, and, and... throw back to in this episode because other than that you know Oda hasn't really had a whole lot of of contact with uh changelings so it would have been yeah that would have been the smart thing to do um but whatever so yeah but I agree like I feel like that was a misstep by not showing us exactly how he was infected especially again mild spoiler considering what happens in later seasons um, things like this are going to be like, where, why will be the question. <laughs> why and where will be gotcha. the questions. So, gotcha. huh, okay. And right. Don't worry. I'll be here to point those out um, when we gotcha. get into, I believe that that really comes up in like season six. So we got a little bit. We got a little gotcha. bit. So, um, yeah, the fact that Galron is also a changeling obviously is huge because at the beginning of this season, we got Worf joining the team. But he was joining because the uh, Federation and the uh, Klingons had a big falling out because the Klingons decided to attack the Cardassians. And we're getting basically more of that. You know, as you pointed out, they've consolidated their Cardassian conquests and they want to move on to a the what's the system? The Arcanus Arcanus system, which apparently, according to our team, is on the other side of wherever, like that's far away from them. It's not going to directly affect Deep Space Nine and our team, but uh, as you said... What yeah. a remarkably short-sighted thing that they say. I know. You know, when he says, oh, well, that's said, a long way from here, so yeah, not, like, not uh, on our purview. It's like, well, I mean, let's think about that strategically. It sounds like they're trying to surround you, and you're saying, ah, oh, it's a long way away, and we right. don't have to worry about it. It's on the other side of the whatever. Yeah, it's on the other side, which means that when they finally do turn their attention to you, you will have them on two sides. At least that we know of. Right. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, as they say in the episode, you know, Arcanus is a sector of space that now is firmly controlled by the Federation, but at one point was a, a hub of some kind for uh, the Klingon Empire, and uh, now they want it back. And it was a hundred years ago that mm-hmm. they had that sector, but now, again, they want it back. So they're looking yeah. to get that back. I just love the guy who plays Galron, Robert O'Reilly, I guess. Robert, Um, yes. I just love how Galron always looks half insane with his, he's like, 
I'm working to attack. You're gonna do what I say, it's, and then like it's the it, eyes. It's oh, he does a great definitely job. Definitely the, the eyes. Yeah. Yes. But um, it totally makes sense that the Klingons. I'm sorry that the the changelings have a, a Klingon um changeling. You know, someone who's been infiltrated, and of course the top. You know, we 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 already knew in this season, whichever episode it was, when they went back to Earth and the the admiral that used to be. Uh, um, Cisco's superior officer. He had one at one point. There was someone masquerading as him. Yeah, so it makes sense that yeah, even the Cardass or even the Klingons have been affected by someone impersonating um, one of them. And of course, it's always the wor- the worst possible scenario is the, the leader of that faction. And boom, here we go. We got a we got Galron himself as the changeling, according to what uh, Odo tells us. So um, great cliffhanger for season four into season five. Fun little fact about the character of Galron and those those eyes and where all that comes from. So as we should all hopefully remember, the first time, the very first time that we ever saw Galron was in uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation, and this was when um, the the then Klingon Chancellor Kempek was dying, and they needed to um, find a new ruler, and the two. Um, I guess most senior candidates were uh, uh, Galron and Duras. And obviously we don't want Duras to lead because Duras is terrible, but Galron was a kind of unknown upstart. He was, they they had some history of him, but he was kind of like on the outskirts. He did a lot of like deep space stuff, but no one really knew much about this guy. So he was the wild card. So it was like, we certainly don't want to pick the devil we know because the devil we know was terrible. So we'd rather go with this other person, but they had to like not necessarily show favoritism. But while all that is is interesting, the, the factoid that I wanted to tell is behind the scenes. And it's about Robert O'Reilly and those eyes. So apparently when they were doing um, the filming and uh, the filming test of the episode and everything, there is a scene where he's sitting in the Enterprise's uh, observation room, the observation rounds where the officers do all their meetings at that long table, you know? Mm -hmm. And so he's in there and he's talking. And at one point he spins and he's confronting Worf and Picard. And he does his, you know, the, the big eye pop thing, you know? Well, off screen, Jonathan Frakes saw him do this and loved it. And so the story goes that when they went to shoot the scene again, he didn't do it the second time to which Jonathan Frakes told him to do it, went back to him and told him to do it, that it looked great, that it was interesting, whatever. And so he did, and it kind of became Gowron's signature thing. And it's, it's, it's in memes now it's all over the place, but yeah, that whole, eye pop thing that he does that really makes him kind of stand out and looks so menacing and terrifying, frankly, was all because Jonathan Frakes happened to see him do it and he said, wasn't directing that, that episode. Awesome. He was just an actor on set. He was thing. just there. Yeah, yeah. He was just there that day. He yeah. he was not directing. He was just there and yeah. was I guess I assume he was just waiting in the wings for his his upcoming scenes, whatever those were gonna be. Right. And he saw this thing and was like, nah man, you've got to do it. And so he's been doing it ever since. So <laughs> there you go. Man, and history was made. As they say. History was made. Once again, um, Jonathan Frakes doing stuff to 
make Star Trek better, which is like, that's his whole thing. Like, we could, we could do a whole thing about how Jonathan Frakes has, like, on so many levels, directed the course of Star Trek and made it better over time for his for his input and for his right. insight right. and stuff. You know, it's just um, starting with season two when he grew the beard. Like, there are so many people who, who seriously think Star Trek was saved because Riker grew a beard, um, which it sounds ridiculous, but at the same time... Uh, Baby what a conspiracy Riker theory! Looks funny in season one. Yes, yes. <laughs> he looks. He looks a little too, a little too young, a little too. Who you let know, this teenager on the bridge with right, that silly standing, Wesley Wesley Crusher kid? Right, standing next to standing next to stately Jean Luc. He yeah. just looked a little too out of place, and then he grew the <laughs> facial hair, and now I was like, oh, okay, he's the man. Oh, Got it. Goodness. So. But yeah, so there's a lot of that, you know, and he's a, he's a prolific director. He's directed so many episodes of uh, all of the Trek shows. He got some directing in the latter part of Next Generation. He did um, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, Enterprise. Um, he's done a lot of Strange New Worlds. He's done a lot of Discovery. Um, I think the only one he hasn't actually officially directed is... Lower Decks, which is an animated show, right, so I don't know. Sense. Yeah, but he's right. but he's on Lower Decks. He has a he's done a cameo a couple of times, <laughs> so uh, he's there. You know, if not behind the behind the scenes, he's right. there on it too. So yeah, um, Jonathan Frakes is uh, definitely the man. So. But now back to this episode, of course. Um, yes, as we said, this was a heavy Odo episode. Uh, one of the things I like about this episode so much, not just because it does feature Odo, but it gives us a whole new context to consider Odo in. We always knew that, like, we knew him mainly as, like, the loner. He was isolated. He was an incredibly different alien. We have seen um, people in Trek who were cut off from their culture or whatever, but not to this extreme, you know, like Worf is probably a great example. You know, he's a Klingon on a Federation ship or whatever, but a lot of Worf's interactions with Klingons were mostly positive for him. Like, you know, in the next generation episode, um, heart of glory, I think it's called where those two Klingons show up. They wanted Worf to join them. Um, we see later on, you know, obviously he's got a, complicated history with Kalar, but whatever. Um, but yeah, other Klingons seem to like Worf, at least initially. It's not until later on that things kind of go south for him um, with, with other Klingons. But for the most part, even then, even when it goes south, it's like there are still opportunities for him to like redeem himself and do other things that you know still will allow him to have interactions. He makes some choices that kind of screw him up in some, in some aspects, but right. he still has at least a culture to reference and a culture that knows him. Odo, on the other hand, is a complete unknown. He's not Bajoran. He's certainly not human. He's not even from the same quadrant you know so it's like he's he's totally alien and he we finally see him reunited with his people only to discover that they're the founders they are the head of the dominion this massively powerful threatening force and then you know he ends up killing one of them he breaks their sacred law now he's been punished his whole experience with his people so far has been terrible yeah. has been absolutely terrible. Like, there was never a time when it was like, oh, 
wow, this is this is great, this is wonderful, this is whatever. No, they've done nothing but just be awful the whole time. They lie to him, impersonate his friends and stuff. They're impersonating admirals and whatever else and sabotaging things and causing problems and getting the Tal Shiar and the Obsidian Order in bed together to blow them all up. I mean, they're just awful. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's... uh, <laughs> Odo's had it pretty rough. <laughs> yeah. He's had a real rough go of it, you know? Um, and so now here we are once again, and apparently that transition from changeling to human was also pretty painful. We see him getting tossed around in the, in the goop there a little bit yeah. uh, before he's finally deposited on that shore at at uh, Bashir and Cisco's feet. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it just seems like this whole episode was all about Odo just being really, you know, tortured. I will commend the guy for wanting to go back and face the music. You know, he didn't have to. And yes, we know if he didn't go, he would have died. But he stopped everybody from coming up with, you know, a clever Starfleet wink and nod, how we're going to get our hero out of it. Right. You know, yes. and we see that a little bit. We see everybody kind of spitballing. Well, what if we did this? Yes. And what if we did this? You know, this. You know, all these things. And Odo comes in and squashes all of that. So yeah, I will commend him for that for being consistent on that part of his character. He even says, you know, I, I spent my whole life bringing people to justice for breaking the law. You know, I I did this. I want to face the judgment. So right. yeah, I really great. like that. Yeah, it's a bold move for sure, but it also definitely fits with Odo's character. You know, I've, it's yeah, I, I, he's sent so many people to face justice, and now it's his turn. You know, but he he did do something. He did kill. I mean, it was a justified killing. We can say of the guy who he did kill. It wasn't like a murder. It was like they were tussling, and um, it was an accident, really. He didn't yeah. mean to push the guy into the warp core. Exactly. You know, they were they were fighting, and if you remember, the guy attacked him first. Right. So he was it was self defense that then tumbled into an accident. Right. So I really feel like the chain. I mean, I guess you know they could have killed him. You know, when they took Odo and everything, they could have killed him. So the fact that right. they didn't kill him, they just turned him human. I mean. Yeah, I'm, it's, it's it's not necessarily a harsh punishment because right. he's still alive and he's still able to, you know, he he could adapt, he could um, learn to enjoy life again as a human. Right. But we are supposed to take this as a serious, you know, loss because of how much he really enjoyed being a changeling and being a part of this specialness, and now it's been taken from him. Right. So. Yeah. Um, one of the other things I like about this episode is I feel like we did this episode did a whole lot more to really make sure we feel like a lot of the crew was involved. We have a minor scene with Kira at the beginning. Uh, Kira can't come along on this trip because someone needs to watch the station and she's sneezing a lot because she's pregnant. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, it was kind of funny because it was a little on the nose where it's like she's sneezing 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 and they do a little bet like how many sneezes is she gonna make and cisco of course wins the bet um so that's why she's not there for most of the episode and then quark when uh odo is leaving to go get on the defiant quark walks up to him and basically says well 
you know, this will be great that you're gone because I could now smuggle up to 60%. My, my smuggling profits will go up by 60%. But you can tell it's one of those, um, I'm yeah, sorry again, to see you going kind of thing. Yeah, like the I'm, love, I'm just trying to make sure, right, I'm making sure that you're coming back. That's right. why I'm doing this. I want right. to hear you say that you're coming back. So, right. yeah, it's like a, a nod of respect. They're not friends, but they're not totally enemies yes, either. Exactly. So. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and yeah, we, we did have... get to see a little bit of everybody. You know, we've got O'Brien on the bridge of the Defiant, and he's kind of musing about what was he talking about? Like, I don't even remember what he was talking about. The ship's um, the cloaking device. That's right. He's the, been on they... half a dozen mm-hmm. ships, but this is the first one without a, with a cloaking device, and the fact that it's not on makes him feel naked. And Worf says something similar, and Cisco says, "Yes, gentlemen, I I feel the breeze." And then Dax laughs at them all and says, uh, and "He O'Brien's says, like, what are you laughing, laughing at?'" at? She She's says, like, uh, "I've never been around so many naked men, or right. something like that." Yeah, but you know, she's been a man herself as a as a as a yeah. as a trill. Yeah. Um, so it's funny because basically we're all using, "Yeah, I feel naked," and. Then, <laughs> the one woman on the bridge also is just making fun of him for it. Um, yeah. So two things. One, I love scenes like that where yeah. they're just kind of shooting the breeze. There's nothing going on, nothing to do. And I mean, even O'Brien, he's like, he's turned away from the console. He's kind of leaned back in his chair. He's got his hands, you know, right. at his midsection. He's just kind of like, you know, again, it's just a total do nothing musing scene right you know and he's just like just talking and everybody's just kind of taking more i love scenes like that well there's um, another one too because o'brien at first was saying that i saw you know keiko and um kira talking together when i walked in my quarters and they stopped talking and molly giggled when i walked in but i think mm-hmm. we we're all talking about me and it's one of those like O'Brien's getting paranoid basically, <laughs> and he's like, "I need to invite Bashir to come join us in our quarters so that I at least have another person on my Good side." Good lord, the the O'Briens <laughs> have a party going on at their place. They've got you well, know Keiko, Miles, life. Molly, Kira, and the upcoming baby, and then throw throw Bashir in there as well. Well, if, man, if, and if Nana Visitor's father of her child was actually. Um, Dr. Bashir's actor, his name, I can't remember at the moment. Um, that's Alexander just, Sadiq. There you go. That just makes it all the more on the nose. They were married by this point, right? Yes. Okay. Yes, they were. The two actors, Nana and Alexander, were married at the time. Um, I think there would have been a little funny, like, B or even, like, C story that would have been, like, a, a long-running gag was that they all were living together and having these issues and, like, arguing with each other and stuff. And so then it would be, like, like petty arguments. I think major to, like, uh, truly disrupt, like, friendships or whatever. But, right. like, I think it would be hilarious to, like, we would hear little snippets of the O'Briens, the true O'Briens, were bickering with the... with with Kira and Bashir, who for some reason were always on each other's side. And no one can figure <laughs> out why they were always siding with each other against the O'Briens. And it would be just stupid things like they want dinner at 4.45 versus 6 o'clock. Or, well, again, little <laughs> nonsensical things that would make sense as like, these are stupid couple arguments. Yeah. Like that kind of thing. I th- that would have been funny right. to to see. But yeah, but you know, this wasn't the show for funny. D-Space Nine is not the show for funny. Um, 
the other thing I want to say, because I said two things, so that was the first. The other thing, that phrase, half a dozen times, I can't stand it. I hate it when I hear it. It's the most annoying. It doesn't make sense to me why people say half a dozen times. Just say Just six. Say six. Just yeah. say six. Why do you have to say, well, I've told you at least half a dozen times. Just say you said it six times. Yeah. Why the extra words? And I, I know it's a stupid Sounds thing smart. that gets yeah. irate, gets me irate and whatever it is. But seriously, and you know what? The number of shows that do it is alarming. Well, yeah, I guess shows do it more often than in real life, right? Yeah, it's like a... I'm I can't smart. think of the last time I said half a dozen. Yeah, and didn't and didn't legitimately mean no no, I don't think I've I don't think I've ever really said it. Yeah. Give me I, I might have said I might have said give me a half dozen, but that was in direct reference to eggs. You know, give me a half dozen right. of eggs, but I've never said it for anything else. Never I've said never said dozen either. I bet no no. <laughs> Just say thirteen. I, I, <laughs> right, I I need thirteen of these. Right, or I have thirteen. I've never said, "Oh, I've got a, I've got a baker's dozen." No, that's not how people talk. Yeah. I don't know where that phrase came from, but there are so many shows that do it that say <laughs> it. They have a character somewhere in the thing that says, "Oh, well, I must have been there about a half dozen times." Why can't you say six? Can someone explain that to me? Why that phrase became so popular and so ubiquitous across the the TV lexicon, whatever? Why? Just why? And if we could get away from saying it, I would be so thrilled. Because it's just a phrase that just doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't. Just say six. Be precise. Because at least a half a dozen? Okay. So again, that's at least six, right? But you could be there's some wiggle room in there. Like when people say a few, okay? Three or more? Is it four? Did you do three? Did you... like? What is with people not wanting to be precise? Just say, yeah. you should know. You should know. Did you go in that room half a dozen times or not? Okay, then say you say six. Right. Just be done. Yeah. But that's that's it. And and I think that Star Trek is the reason that that phrase sticks out to me so much because I've watched all of the shows and they all have someone at some point who says half a dozen. Don't know why in a in a in a sci-fi show full of all this science and tech and everything else. Why are they so imprecise? Say six, say six, guys. Just say it with me. Six. Promise it won't hurt you. Six. Thank you. There's my there's my rant. I must have ranted about this about half a dozen times. <laughs> Now you're not allowed to complain anymore. You, you <laughs> <said> you're complaining. <laughs> oh man. Uh, um, what else happened this episode? I mean, it was pretty straightforward. I mean, there was no B plot. Um, no. Oh, I guess I'll, I I, th- I really thought they did a great job with Renee's um, uh, costume. Like they, yeah, they the makeup effects. Some, they messed up some yeah. suits. Or whatever that gunk was. Yeah, whatever they did, they they went yeah. for. Yeah. That was yeah. The the overall the special effects on this episode were pretty great. I mean, we got to see Odo in various states of decay, falling apart. You know, I even um, saw something drip off him once. Yeah, yeah. He gets reduced to to the gelatinous mass in the cargo bay. Um, we see 
the again the founders on their home world the swimming the giant massive pool of changelings everywhere and then you know them dissolving into it and then coming back out of it a lot of great special effects here yeah. in this they episode spent good money in this on this episode yeah. for that stuff yeah at that time that must have cost a good good chunk so well i do know also a little behind the scenes aside i do know that they were kind of worried about that on this episode because as we know also talking about the beginning of this of the fourth season they spent so much money on that episode uh way of the warrior because i mean it brings Worf in we see the beginning of the klingon conflict there's a lot of fighting um a lot of battles that happen in an episode you know we see cardassian ships destroyed klingon ships everywhere getting blown up and stuff the station's under attack there was a lot of moving parts in that season opener so you know a lot of money went into that to make it kind of a big you know a big to do coming right. into the into the fourth season so then here we are at the end of the fourth season and there was a concern about budget so i guess that they do these budgets on like a, a seasonal basis like here's how much money you have for this season and you know based on how season two did then here's the season three budget and, and so forth right. so i think they had used up a lot of their money in the right. first part and so here they were at the at the bottom and they still wanted the show to go out with a bit of a bang right. but they just didn't have all the money so they had to change the bang so that's why we went more with something very personal or they, not we, they went with something very personal for Odo, and then uh, the revelation of the conspiracy that Galron is a changeling. So it was another way to kind of up the ante without us having to do major space battles or filming in different locations, a lot of them or anything like that. And it was able to keep things very consistent with like sets and costuming and so forth. So that did allow them to spend more money on uh, special effects. Right. And it paid off because, like we said, Odo looked terrible, which also means he looked great because it yes, it looked yes. awful. It was yeah. it was a great job. On well, that. There, there were even times, yeah, he takes his shirt off or the, the blanket off. His like chest was all gooey. Yeah, he like, revealed his liquidy middle. Yeah, they spent good money on it. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, again, I like the fact that pretty much everyone except for Kira and Cork were in the episode. Felt consistently they participated. Uh, again, Dax being even then some of the least. <laughs> and even she got kicked off her station when the changelings came aboard and the Jim Hadar came aboard. They were like, "We need you to vacate your, Get up. your station so we can tell it where you're Get going." Get up! You can't um, sit there anymore. It's not your ship. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. The uh, yeah. All of the Jim Hadar. Every time <laughs> the changeling woman said something, they pointed a gun. <laughs> yes, they were instantly threatening. Every time that someone she would say something and someone in any way put up any kind of fight, they were like, yeah. "Ah, gun!" Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you have to so. wonder if they can if they can turn Odo into a full human. Can they just manifest like, the white? Is what I'm getting at the white, the drug they use, uh, the 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 Jim and R use. Can they just like manifest it out of themselves? Like they just like we need some more. So here you go. Or is that is that true of anything at all? Like, is that a skill of Odo's well, we haven't they're not, seen really? They're not glorified replicators. So well, that's what I'm getting at, though, is because like if they can turn into anything and they can make Odo 
I don't know. We've never seen them like truly like any part of them separate from themselves and stay as whatever that thing was. So I'm, I don't think it does so, work that way. You know but. what? Here's something I never considered before. I'm trying to see if I can tell you about this without it being a spoiler of any kind. <laughs> I. There's a lot to keep in mind. I don't think uh, no, there is. There's a lot to keep in mind, and I'm, but I don't think that it, I don't think it'll be a spoiler because you haven't seen Picard. But I mean, I think that you're way off from watching Picard. So I, I mean, it it, it would be a spoiler for Picard. But I mean, by the time you got to, it, I don't think it would take anything away from you watching this show. So okay. do they really turn Odo human? Or do they just make the organs? Do they do they shape shift him enough that they make you think that he's human? And I bring right. this up because in the episode of Picard, in the in the newest show in the third season, we find changelings who can pass for human, and they can you know uh, they can be beamed up and whatever else and even to the point where in one of the scenes Beverly is doing an autopsy and she cuts out like a chunk of kidney or liver or something and it's only once it's removed from the body and even then she has to like really kind of hack at it a bit before it finally loses its cohesion and falls apart huh and so it was like that was the the reveal was oh my god this isn't a this isn't a kidney at all it's it's right. changeling matter right. and so like they are scanning and everything else and they're like no it reads as a heart it reads as a liver it reads as a whatever yeah. so in this episode we see that they have made him human but did they really make him human or did they just alter him and make it to where he it was impossible for him to change his shape. Anymore. Well, I mean, Doctor Bashir does pull blood out of him, and that doesn't just turn into. But again, even in the yeah, but even in the episode that we saw in Picard, they do that. They run a series mm -hmm. of tests, and the person so reads maybe, as a human. Maybe it, liquids they, are, are able to. But be I mean, out. Even, yeah, everything. It it wasn't yeah. until because in if I remember correctly, in the scene, it wasn't until they pulled. I think let's just say it was the liver. They pulled it out. She cut a hunk of it out and then she like she was scanning it and, and subjected it to intense radiation and she does all of this stuff to it before it finally starts to you know jiggle and dissolve right you know so like she had to like hardcore you know put some put some pressure on this thing right. before it finally gave out but otherwise right. i mean when she cut it out of the person and was holding it and laid it, it was still in the shape. It still did what it was supposed to do. So, I mean, he takes the blood and puts it in the little stasis tube or whatever, but he doesn't do anything else to it after that. Right. So it would still look like and read as blood. And that well, would be it. I mean, so we, we know that a test to find out if someone is a changeling is to try and take blood from them. So yeah, it does seem like they really did turn him into a human on some level. Because when his blood was removed yeah. in this episode, it wasn't reverting in any capacity. Well, that's, but that's what I'm saying, though. Like, he took the sample. He doesn't do anything else to it. In the Picard episode, it right. wasn't until she started doing extra things to it that it broke down. It still held up on its own until then. 
Maybe the changelings are supposedly gotten better at doing their thing by Picard. Well, there's a there's a whole thing in the episode or, or in the series as to why these changelings are the way that they are. But um, but yeah, it still is implied that they had this ability, you know. Um, and then they're just kind of like they're subjected to some other torturous things that kind of make them hold shape longer and, and whatever else. So it's kind of like they just evolved this ability. Right. Um, so maybe like the the great link changelings knew about it, and that's why it was so painful for Odo when they when they were we saw him being tossed around in there. They were subjecting his body to this intense change that they can actually do. Right. And um, at that time, because again, Picard is set some you know thirty years after Deep Space Nine and so forth. So right. maybe during those interim years, they learned about this and, and whatever else. So to me, that makes some sense. Also considering some things that are going to happen in later episodes, which I'm not going to talk about, um, <laughs> but we'll, we'll get there um, right. for some other people, some other, you know, aliens that come around and whatever else we'll, we'll get to them. Um, but yeah, to me, that would, it would seem to imply that, while they made him appear more human and past the initial scan of being human, that um, maybe it's not as permanent as we think. Okay. So. All right. Well, um, oh, there was uh, something else I want to talk about, but you were, did you say something? No, I was going to ask any other, any final thoughts, any, um, oh, uh, Garrick in this episode, we didn't mean, we, he, he and Worf got that fight. Um, which, as we already pointed out, I guess, is that <laughs> Garrick got the better of the fight in an unexpected way. <laughs> um, I'm going to just say he surprised Worf. He didn't get the better of him. He he surprised him. I was surprised, um, though, that Worf took three hits or so before he, like, really Before started. he finally retaliated. Like, yeah. right. He lets Garrick hit him three times solid before he finally, you know... Lays well, a smackdown. Then, then they tussle, and then Worf kicks his butt. And I was just surprised because it's like Worf is always training in the hollow, hollow deck, hollow suite. I would figure that he would be like pretty ready for an attack, and also able to withstand it probably a little bit better. And I feel like he got knocked yeah. on his feet a little quickly. Is what I'm getting at. Um, yeah. But yeah, I feel like the close quarters and the surprise that Garrick hit him. Right. Kind of, you know. Yeah, it is a weird space. Like, he had to crawl into the space to get Yeah, to and then they were like, they were really quite close while they were discussing their philosophical opinions on genocide. Right. Um, You know. I was a little but, surprised yeah. that Garrick was allowed to be brought on the ship, frankly, even to ask the Cardassian, the question of, like, are there any Cardassian prisoners? But I did like the idea that he was allowed by Cisco to stay by being the distraction that kept um, Odo from thinking too much about his condition. Like, mm -hmm. uh, I want you to go keep him busy because you're a spy. And I'll, I'll go tell half-truths, full-out lies, and keep him busy for as long as necessary. And he basically implies that he was the uh, the one who assassinated a Romulan ad ambassador. He a was couple just, of Romulan ambassadors. He was just a he lowly that, Yeah, he was, that he was on Romulus and just was laying waste to people. <laughs> or, or that it just so happened that while he was on Romulus, right. all of these people died. And it's so, funny, yeah. too, because Odo, before he, uh, that scene, or as... Before things continue on, we see him come back, and Odo's like, I don't think you killed that ambassador, but I do think you killed this person. So, yeah. like, he's like, I'm not believing all your lies, but I, I actually do think you probably did 
kill this like more minor official. And I imagine if we were to get some more details, it would turn out this minor official was actually more important in the long run than the ambassador in some capacity. Like someone might have killed the ambassador. Um, I think they even were applying that like the Romulans were killing their own ambassadors or something. Yeah, um, which is you know it, it probably they probably were. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Romulans. Romulans Ruthless. love a good yeah yeah yeah. But I like the idea that uh, Garrick, being the true uh, master that he is, was actually knowing not to, you know, you don't knock out the big thing, but like a Jenga tower, you know exactly where the true weaknesses are, and you take out what you really need to take out to collapse the whole thing. Um, yeah, I like, it was, I was surprised that Garrick came along, especially because he was a part of the last episode with uh, mm. with body parts, like we just had him, but he's back again, it's like, okay. Um, but he did contribute. It's not like he had no reason to be there. And it was a good question to ask, like, are there any Cardassian prisoners? Can I basically earn my way back into Cardassian society by being the negotiator that gets the Cardassian prisoners of war back? Unfortunately, the founders take no prisoners, apparently. (laughs) Absolutely not. I mean, I wouldn't either if you tried bombing my entire civilization and let's but. not forget he wasn't just in garrick wasn't just asking out of this semblance of civil duty to his fellow cardassians he was particularly close to one cardassian who as far as we know died mm, in this, really uh, thing. That. that's true yeah so an Auburn-tain right. is at the very least missing but if you want to <laughs> if you want to take yeah. yeah if we want to take what the female changeling says to heart and Auburn Tain is dead, but that would have been his. We we know how how Garrick was affected by Tain, right. so uh, that would have been the real reason that he was asking, because he wants to know the fate of his mentor. Which again, if we take her at her word, this could also explain how he went from asking questions to let's blow them all up because right. they killed Tain, and he right. wants to make sure that this man gets his revenge and a revenge worthy of Tain. And what better revenge would there be than to complete the mission he had started right. all all that time ago and wipe out the right. founders in their new home world. Right. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Man, I can't believe that was last season that that all happened. I know. Yeah. It just, it, it, and it really does seem like it was a lot longer than that because season four has just so many beats to it. So many different things happen this, in this season, which this is why I, I've always said that season four was such a pivotal season because it changes so many things. Right about this show and it changes the whole direction and tone of the show because we're starting to get more into the threat that is the dominion and the destabilization of the alpha quadrant, you know, with the Klingons going to war, the Cardassians were not really sure what's going on with them. So much political upheaval on the side of the Cardassians and what's going on with the Bajorans and, you know, the Federation just seems so far removed from everything. So, you know, we're having to just kind of deal with, these three powers in this area and the Federation always just seems to arrive so late to the party. And you're almost just like, what are y'all doing? Like, why why are you not paying attention? And it just doesn't seem like they're showing up until it's, yeah, it's just always too late. And Cisco and company are really having to figure things out on their own. So, but I love this season and um, can't wait for us to get into season five. So, So, final thoughts on this episode before we close out Broken Link. Yeah, I think it's a good one. Um, Big change for Odo. We'll see how that affects the future. Um, 
then uh yeah we got some klingon war rat war saber rattling we got a changeling impersonating galron that'll be important um I assume by the time we start the next season, Kira will no longer be pregnant with the O'Brien's baby, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, yeah, I think we got some... Uh, season 5, we'll have to start off with a bang. So, Well, um, we will get some pregnancy hijinks. That is, that is true. <laughs> um, so we will have to wait for all that as we get through, go into season five. Um, as always, you can watch all of these and every other Trek show again, except for prodigy, which has been removed from all streaming platforms with really no explanation as to why, um, on, on Paramount plus, uh, and keeping you updated on all things Trek, uh, the release of prodigy and not prodigy <laughs> of discovery. The final season of discovery has actually been pushed back to mid 2024. I know I had been talking about it saying that it was coming out in October. That is now cut. Apparently they were um there were some scenes that needed to be reshot and some rescheduling and things like that that were supposed to happen that couldn't happen because of the writer strike. So now um um I hear that a tentative deal has been struck on that end of, on the writer strike. So with that everything's going back into production and again the final discovery season will be out in 2024. Right. They don't have a definite release date. It was just, they just said mid 2024. It could get sped up. It could be pushed back even more. I don't know, but either way, 2024 seems to be when that's going to happen, which is really just kind of sad. Cause now it'll be two years since season four, you know, that we get to see the final part of this trick show. Um, I loved discovery i think that it had a lot of potential i hate that it got messed around by so many of these little you know i'm going to use the term political but it's not really political right. um things that were going on uh behind the scenes well so, actually perry we could say that you know we're gonna do an after dark episode and we then... are gonna do an after dark because we just finished season four yes. we have to do these little wrap-up episodes so if you tune in here and like 10 minutes you might get to get see it live or at least you'll and hear Perry, it you can, part of what we're going to talk about is your take on modern trek uh i've i've listened to some people out there who are a little more down on the modern trek you're definitely a fan so that's one of the questions uh, i want you to answer yes. for us so okay that's a little teaser for like if you're watching on youtube like right this moment, you can listen to us in like ten minutes, but the episode on podcast will come out like in, like in a week or in two. a week, right? Yeah. We'll so yes, and bit. so and for those of you who listen who are so totally down on all the new Trek except for Strange New Worlds, which for some reason you're everybody's in like this, we must protect at all costs thing. <laughs> um, I do encourage you to uh, tune in, and hopefully it will help you to at least lighten up on your perspective a little bit and give some of these newer shows a chance. But we're going to get into all that here in just a minute. So um, again, thanks for listening to us this week. You can find us and follow us anywhere that you happen to do your social medias. As David told you earlier on, we are on everything, Facebook, X, uh, whatever that is. And you can listen to us where, anywhere that you happen to listen to podcasts. I happen to do it on Spotify. So guys, until next week when we'll do the after dark and then also the week after that when we finally get into season five, take care of yourselves. Thanks guys. <laughs>